Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I'm very excited about this week's guest. This has been a long time coming. You may know her from TikTok. You may know her as the only living girl in New York. Welcome to Arab American Psycho, Victoria Paris. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to finally make my way into your podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, so Victoria and I met like a few weeks ago, like pretty recently, but like I instantly was like, this girl's fucking dope. This girl's cool. I like her. I want to chill with her. And I just was telling her before we started recording that what she does as far as like a creator is like so different than what I've seen in all the years that I've been living on the fucking internet. And there's just something about it that feels really like refreshing and inspiring. But I do want to talk about like how you started what was your kind of thought process did you was was there a goal like t- tell me how how victoria paris came to be the tiktok star she is yeah so i started like eight almost nine months ago now i had no social media for like a year or so i used to work at a finance startup and i was in my junior year of college when COVID hit and so we were fully online i lost my job and i was like what the fuck do i do now like literally had no source of income and so i was like I had a Depop store prior, and I was flipping vintage purses to, like, pay my rent and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, girl bossery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Depop got really oversaturated. The resale market got super oversaturated. So I was like, why don't I try to utilize TikTok to plug people to my store? And so I started posting every day, and it turned into something much bigger, much faster. And I realized that it was really worthwhile to throw myself into it and hopefully be able to do it full-time after graduation. Mm-hmm. And now here we are two months post-grad. And I'm doing it full time and it's better than I ever could have expected. I can't believe that your graduation was just two months ago. Like I also like frequently find myself being like, I can't believe Victoria's like so young. Yeah. Because yeah. you're twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're just at a point in your life that most people don't reach until they're in their late twenties, early thirties, even later than that. Obviously everyone has like a different, you know, path, but how does it feel to be like twenty two and financially stable in the position you are and like succeeding in the career path that you've decided to take it's definitely like such a privilege to be where I am and I'm like so grateful for all the opportunities I've had but it's also a lot of pressure because it's like well what's next what's bigger how do I work harder like how do I apply myself even more if I can achieve this at 22 what can I do at 25 and I'm like Jesus fucking Christ it doesn't stop do you feel like the pressure is like internal or external or like a little bit of both definitely internal because like the only person who sees the future of my business or me as a whole is myself like i'm the one fucking driving the car and everybody yeah. else i'm like assigning the passenger right. and i'm getting the, the the crew and like i don't know it's definitely just all on me and i um very similar to you like know how i like things done you yeah know? and i think there's something to be said though about like just working in the creative space i feel like there's There's no such thing even as like a job title. Like everyone is a multi-hyphenate. Everyone is juggling so many things. And I think something that most people don't realize is that you need to like fully trust in yourself. And like you said, like you need to figure out what direction you're going in and you need to know what you want and know what you don't want. And I think that that's where a lot of people kind of like fuck up by doing things that don't align with who they are. And then you start getting a little bit lost because you're like, wait, this isn't me. And like, who the fuck am I? And like, what the fuck is going on? Which, you know, everyone has an existential crisis at some point, but I feel like you've been really good. I feel about working with brands that I do feel like are true to you. Yeah. I mean, like, 
every single brand I work with now was a brand I touched when I was younger. Yeah. I had like currently I'm wearing three fourths free people and I used to work at an urban outfitter solely so I could get the discount at free people. And so all these brands, it's like my dream came true that I could work with them. But yet I still like, I pass on like 95% of deals mm-hmm. I get sent. I am tr- a firm believer that it's about the things you don't do. It's yeah. not about the things you do. Mm-hmm. Like you're paving the way by choosing the right things and then not choosing the wrong things. And so that is very much up to me. Nobody else knows my brand as intimately as I do. And also nobody else can make the content than I do or make the high level decisions. So it's also like outsourcing to other people is a huge, huge crutch when you get bigger, but finding the right people who can feel that brand and feel those right moves as well is really uh, paramount. So like just touching on like you mentioned like your brand, something that I've seen happening because I'm fucking like addicted to TikTok, just like every person who has a phone. And if you don't like TikTok, then you're lying to yourself. But like literally I've seen so many girls where like I can spot it immediately. I'm like, they're trying to do the Victoria Paris. Like that is what they're trying to do. They're trying to follow in your footsteps. How does that make you feel like as a creator? I was watching, like my boyfriend sent me this little bit from a call in Samir um, interview and it was with Mr. Beast and he was talking about how Emma Chamberlain has changed and how Mr. Beast is an idea based creator. So like if they do something like it's like giving away a Tesla, like no matter who is in the video, you'll still watch it because it's this idea. It's like, I want to see you against the Tesla. But with Emma Chamberlain, you're intimately in her life. It's only her driving. And so I resonate with her. I was never like a fan of hers like that. I really watched her videos. I always knew of her. And so I feel that pressure that I wonder if she has, which is like being a personality based creator. People are along for the ride with you. Yeah. And so it's like, for me there's a lot of pressure to like be personable and be myself on camera but other people think that it's like this act and this farce and it is one facet of me but it's still at the core of me who's driving the content which is like i don't know anybody else in new york city who is in their entirety a personality-based creator for sure and i think being a personality-based creator is also one of the more challenging directions to take because when you do receive criticism it's like this is criticism on like who yeah. you actually are not you know this character that you've created for the internet it's like no this is who the fuck I am and like yeah. I think that TikTok the way TikTok moves versus like any other social media platform is people really feel fucking entitled hmm. to just fucking give their opinion and also tell you what they hate about you and yeah. what they dislike about you and I always just like laugh because I'm like these are a bunch of fucking like kids most likely and I'm just like they don't know what the fuck they're saying so I don't like internalize it but do you find yourself like getting caught up at all like with the comments you receive that are more negative well I'm listening to you speak right now and all I can think about is that I want to backtrack and say I'm the only like when I said I'm the only personality based creator in New York obviously I'm not (laughs) saying that but because I've been subjected to so much hate I think about everything I say a million times over so the whole time you started that second half of our conversation you were you were literally like self-editing like self-reflecting of how that's going to resonate online so it's like when anything's out there publicly even interviews now I'm very weary about because like the narrative online can snowball so for sure it's like people think you're entitled or they think this is like backhanded or you're privileged or a narcissist you can be all those things yeah but also they think that i'm being malicious or unintentional sometimes when i'm not i'm just being a 22 year old kid who said something no yeah and i think that that kind of grace is something that 
you don't see as much on TikTok. Specifically, like, like there's no room for like grace. It's like you say one thing that sounds one way to someone and they're going to fucking create an entire narrative and they're going to like attack you and then people are going to jump on and cuz like yeah. that's what people love is like, oh, like something. We we found something and like yeah. now let's fucking just like annihilate her with this one fucking thing that she probably didn't even mean that way. And yeah, you'll think this is funny. So my manager and we were having a conversation the other day, and he was like, you operate like a like a, a, a media company. He was like, when narratives come to, like, precipice online, you either, like, fucking spray them with new content. Like, say, like, there's one, like, I remember I gained weight recently, mm-hmm. and I made a ton of, like, posts that are, like, very body positivity, like, whatever, fuck it, I gained yeah, weight. Like, yeah, yeah. And my manager was like, I can tell that you're not happy you gained weight. And he's like, you're totally, like, spraying the internet with the opposite. You're controlling the narrative and how yeah. you want to perceive. And it's like, yeah, I don't want people to know I'm insecure. I don't want people to know that I care about this. Right. And he's like, you're so interesting in the way you control the narrative and get in front of things. So, like, before, yeah. I used to, like, comment back at people or entertain hate videos. And yeah. it's like, now, like... I realized I was giving them the power mm-hmm. when really, like, I can I can control my conversation sure. on my page. Yeah. I can curate it. And that's really powerful to me and yeah. humbling in a way where it's, like, you can talk about me however you'd like, but not on my page. And the way I see it, because I feel like I love to block. I love to restrict. Yeah. It's, like, I just don't want that in my space. And the way I think about it is like when I worked in an office, there's an HR person. People can't just fucking come into your workplace and say whatever the fuck they want. And like, that's just like, oh, I'm at work. So I have to accept it. It's actually quite the opposite. You know, there are, you know, boundaries and rules in place to prevent that from happening. So I find that like, it's so weird that on the internet, people are like, oh, this person fucking blocked me. It's like, yeah, because you were fucking attacking them. What were they supposed to do? Just like sit back and accept it because they're a public figure? Like, no, they're still a human being and they're allowed to like not want that shit in their space where they're creating something that they enjoy and love and they want to be like a safe, happy fucking environment for people. But I constantly put myself in their in their shoes and I think about growing up I grew up in North Carolina and I was this girl who knew nobody with more than 2,000 followers and had no clue that these people were real people and so what is so intimate I think about me and my audience is that they know that I'm a real person no matter what the number changes or whatever because I let them see how things hurt me and I let them see how things make me excited but when I was young and growing up like I, I, I didn't know influencers and I didn't think about that. I didn't think that they had feelings and I never let, let, left hate comments or thought that way. But yeah. like, I'd be like, they're all for this fucking trash in my mind. Yeah, no, like, and that's the thing. I can see, I see so many things online that I'm like, ew. Yeah. But I'm not going to be like fucking going to their comment section to be like, ew, or like going to their comment section and looking for a hate comment so I can fucking heart it. Like, yeah. Because, I think it's people's way of escapism, though. Like, yeah. I think that a lot of people, like, work a nine-to-five or work a really hard job in their way of, like, there's a lot of people get off on it. And it's, like, they're very <laughs> sick and, like, want to tear the people down for fun. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, though, like, how much empathy it's clear that you have for these people, which... I mean, I vacillate. Sometimes I'm like, oh, they're probably just having a rough day. And other times I'm like, no, this is just a fucking asshole who I fucking hate. So I'm blocked or not hate, but like, I just fuck you. Like, so it's, it's, it's really nice though to see, because I don't know that I had compassion or empathy like that when I was 22. I feel like I was just fucking running around chaotic. Yeah. I mean, I think that like you give them power when you get them, let them get under your skin. Like, 
I, I firmly believe that anybody I meet or like online that like hates me, I can convince them to be my friend if given the opportunity to. That's yeah. Yeah, because like I think it's just like wrong circumstance. They saw the wrong video or they heard me say the wrong thing. They don't know me in entirety. And like I would say that on a scale of bad and good, I'm leaning towards a good person. And why wouldn't you want to like be around me or be in my energy? Or like not even, or just like not dislike me. Yeah. Like you don't even need to like be neutral. Love me. Yeah. yeah, just be neutral about it. And I think. It's really funny, though, because people will just see one video or one photo and they'll write this whole story about you and assume who you are. And that's the other thing about the Internet. It's like, I know that I'm guilty of doing it. I'll see something. and I'll make a ton of fucking assumptions. I'm not going to act on those assumptions. And that's, you know, kind of the difference. But I think even the video I posted being like, oh, I moved to New York and all the comments were like, you're privileged, you're rich, you're a gentrifier. And I'm like what the fuck? Like, it takes one click on my profile to see that you're wrong, like, about these things. And it's just like, there's no, like, none of these negative comments are even thoughtful, which is, is what helps me kind of completely dismiss them. Because I'm like, this wasn't a thoughtfully made comment. If they just clicked on my profile, they would see that no, that's also, not like, true. Any any hate comment that say about my looks or my life, like yeah. you, I've already had that thought. Like yeah. you're not telling me anything new. Right. Like, somebody was like, uh, "Oh, your nipples look weird." When I was like 16, I thought my what nipples look weird. But I'm like, now I'm like, my nipples are my nipples. I don't give a fuck. I like my nipples. Also, you know? like, like, what's a normal nipple? Like, there is not. It's, there is it's, no it's, such it's thing. Relative, but yeah, it's it's really something that was a jarring conclusion I came to when I was younger. When I was like working at the finance startup and shit, I was like. I would make so many assumptions about my job and what people thought about me and what my conversations with my boss were going to be yeah. like. And I realized every single time I made an assumption, it was wrong. And I'm never right when I assume. Yeah. I am very much like a, I feel like I know how people perceive me. I feel like I know what they're going to say. And many times I'm wrong. Yeah. So like, I feel like I just come, like when I'm put in those situations where someone makes an assumption about me, I'm like, you're wrong. You don't know me. Yeah. I do want to ask though, because this was your first, you just, we, fashion week just wrapped. Yes. Uh, thank, thank the Lord. But also what was that experience like for you? Like, this is your first time kind of, I feel like being very much immersed in like this fashion space, which I think is different. It's just fashion week in general is very different than anything I've ever experienced. Any event, any dinner, any, anything I've ever done. Like fashion week is its own thing because it's not just creators. It's all types of people you have editors you have writers you have photographers you have artists and it's just a whole bunch of different people who are all in a common space because they love fashion but so this was your first fashion week and uh I know we had some conversations leading up to it but I want to I want you to share just kind of like what was your kind of first impression of fashion yeah so I've lived in New York for like three or four years now I had been before to fashion weeks it's like a plus one or whatever but like never really like in the fashion scene yeah and so this is my first time being invited to events which was uh, half the events came through TikTok and half of them came through my own personal connections and so like to entrench yourself in this fashion community I feel like it's so much footwork which is like going to the lunches and meeting different people and connecting online and like meeting the right people and getting Mm -hmm. the right invites and not going to the wrong shows yeah and so like to have like a seat at the shows now or like a seat at the table it felt like I was like I really enjoyed it and I think it my own insecurities came to precipice which I felt like that was that awkward kid in high school who was like 
didn't have, wasn't the richest and didn't have the nicest clothing and like wasn't the coolest and like wasn't the prettiest. But that was more of like a self-inflicted kind of feeling. I went all the people I met, like fellow influencers, were so, so nice and welcoming. That's nice. Yeah. But I think fashion itself can be exclusionary yeah. and it's made to feel elite, mm-hmm. which therefore fixates people below you or yeah. below it. And so it's really easy to like think that like, oh, I shouldn't be here. Like, oh, I'm not the prettiest or I don't have the best outfit when really like it's very relative, just like Super weird, relative. weird nipples, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I mean, I know that like when I first was going to fashion weeks, I felt that feeling of like, I'm an outsider. Like, I don't know all these people. Like, you know, like it's just this very new environment and everyone has, it's very clicky. I find like yeah. everyone has their fucking people and it does feel intimidating to be around all these people who are super well-dressed and all this shit. And like, it's just, it's so weird. It almost feels like, I mean, a lot of things in life don't feel fucking real to be honest with you, but like, it just feels very much like a simulation. Like it's very trippy, but I think that like, once you kind of rip the bandaid off and like you do your first you go to your first show and you know what to expect and obviously every show is always going to be a little different but like it is the type of thing that like just over time you become more comfortable with it and it's it just becomes very enjoyable there's no like the stress is eliminated from it the shows themselves were amazing i very much care about visuals and shows and so like i was Afterwards, I was like, that was interesting music choice. That was an interesting model selection. That was an interesting runway. It was more so the social aspect of it. It was, like, a little jarring. But, like, again, like, I had to remind myself that I got here not because I'm like everybody else, but for different reasons. And to feel different is fine. I got here because I'm different, not because of, like, other people. And so, like, I don't want to change that feeling I have where I feel like I don't fit in. I don't want to fit in. So, like, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to, like, be at peace with that. And I feel like it took me, like, a week to come to that conclusion. I mean, listen, like, I'm telling you, I'm like, the way you just, like, immediately you're like, this is, I guess, for lack of better words, the problem. And I found the solution to it, which is I just need to accept the fact that, not even accept the fact, but, like, embrace the fact that I am different, which is truly, like, I mean, I'm, like, a decade older than you. And, like, I feel like that thought really only started, like, cementing in my thought process like within recent years which is that like no yeah I'm not gonna just fit in here I am gonna stand out I am gonna look different but like that's why I am here and that's why it's almost more important that I'm here and I feel like there's so much there's definitely like a stigma around just being in social media but also like fashion just being this very trivial thing where I'm like no this is like artistic expression this is beautiful it's it's you know appreciation of someone's fucking art that they've created and presented to you and like so it's supposed to make you uncomfortable yeah it's not supposed to make you feel safe yeah and like like you're doing all the right things art's supposed to make you question yeah no and like i mean literally i went to the sandy lang show and the entire soundtrack or the music she played was from the marie antoinette soundtrack immediately i was like this is this is from the marie antoinette soundtrack and then the next time i was like oh fuck and then you can see the details and the clothing that you could see like this was all very thoughtfully done like and it, it just it's a really special and inspiring time like that's the thing but that something i do about it is so dehumanizing yes. about like i think models are very objective objectified and yeah. i think that the model and its entirety will be a thing that will age 
poorly. Yeah. Like, I will die on that hill. Like, How I so? Think, I think that there's going to be CGI models. And I think, like, little Michaela's the future. I think to put a person, you know how, like, they hire models and, and you eat sushi off of them? That's fucked up. That is That's fucked up. That's fucked up. That is... To be, like, yeah. fixating somebody yeah. based off their looks, objectifying them to yeah. get a job based off their looks. I think we're going to get to this neutral point in life where, like, we're not going to, like, need somebody to stand, like, a fucking coat hanger. And, that no, like, if you enjoy modeling, like, um, like all the power to you. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing thing if it's something yeah. that you love. Yeah. But I think that it's one of those fields that we're going to move past and see that we shouldn't subject people to yeah. it. And so with that, coming into shows with that mindset, it was interesting because I went to lunch with our mutual friend Maria yeah, afterwards yeah, yeah, yeah. and a model that was in the show. Yeah, Ugbad. Shout out to Ugbad. Yeah. Queen. And we sh- we talked to one of her other friends. I think it was Jordan. And Jordan was saying like, yeah, after the show, somebody was grabbing me, like trying to take a picture of me. And she was like, don't, don't fucking touch me. I'm a real person. What the fuck? And in the fuck? same way that people dehumanize me online yeah. and tear me down, models experience it on the micro level with sure. like stylists grabbing them or telling them not to eat that yeah. like the makeup artist being like oh you you take creamer with your coffee yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's it's this interesting field that i'm really intrigued about yeah. and the treatment of models yeah because again they're real people in the same way that i'm a real person no for sure and i i know like some of my f- model friends who are hijabis like they get to change in a separate room like a private room and like not the rest of the models don't even get to do that and like yeah, like, obviously, like, I'm glad that that is in place for hijabi models because they have different, like, modesty, like, comfort levels. But I also find it a little baffling that why is this not for everybody? Like, I feel like every model should have that option. Just because you're a model doesn't immediately mean that you want everyone to see your naked body. Like, some models don't want that. Some models do, and that's totally fine. But I think that it should still be an option for anyone to have privacy when they're changing at the, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I'm like, it, it's just so interesting to me, the dehumanization though of models and even just in general creators, like anyone who's in a public eye in any way, shape or form, immediately people behave as though they don't deserve rights. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. well, you did this to yourself and you chose yeah, this. So yeah. no rights for you. Like, I, you know, I would never do this to another person. Or it's like, you're an artist. You deserve to starve for a little bit. Like that's rite of passage. Like there should be no starving artist. It no. should be like a field that's, that has like an entry level pay or yeah. like a, you know, like, yeah, it's really interesting to think about all these different creative fields and like the way that they're perceived online. Like I know I'm moving into this new apartment and people are like, so you're making money off of us. Since when you have money like that, or like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, I'm I'm not just this front facing end. I'm a yeah. I'm, I'm a businesswoman. I yeah. work in finance. Like yeah. I I prioritize my well being yeah. on top of my content. It's so baffling. Like it, it happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to every creator I know. Where people start feeling some type of way when they feel like, oh you're actually successful in making money off of this. It's like, yeah, we're you're actually good at what you do. It's like, you should, you should want that for them. You want, you should want your favorite creator to be good at what they're doing. And they also do. your content is fucking free to consume for yeah, them. Like yeah. they're not paying a single dollar to yeah. consume your content. And it's like, even when I started my Patreon, I had people being like, you're fucking disgusting. Like you're, you're making people subscribe to listen to why you're moving to New York. And I'm like, you there mean talking no about yeah. my personal fucking life? Though? Yeah, I do feel more comfortable but sharing it behind a paywall. There's no moral consumption under capitalism. Right. And there's like no moral way to get paid under capitalism. You're like making concessions constantly. And so for me, an interesting thing was moving to this new apartment. I could have moved into this apartment 
months ago. Like I like stuck it out, lived very below my means, yeah. lived very like like not humbly. I don't want to say humbly because I'm still very privileged, yeah. and I'm still so lucky to have what I have. Yeah solely because content exists in such a fragile ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So if I were to just go from my little apartment where I'm stuck in one room and have no living room, which I'm very privileged to have again and I'm very grateful for, to an elevator building or something like that, people would freak out and be like, what the fuck just happened? You're you're jarring the ecosystem, the fragile coral reef. And it's like, you saw that with bigger creators. They moved to LA and they're like, you've changed. And they have, in essence, changed. And if anything, I want to drag my timeline out longer and move into the next apartment that looks like mine but a little bit bigger and the apartment after that is a little bit nicer and the same size you know like creating content in the same way of developing shows it's so ornate and so detail oriented it's your set it's your fucking set yeah people don't realize that and it's like I literally live in a set like it never ends I wake up I check my phone I make a video I go to sleep like nine to nine like like yeah like even i was couch hunting the other day my friend's like oh just buy like some shitty couch and i was like i can't do that number one i wouldn't waste my money on a shitty couch when i know down the line i'm gonna want another couch that just seems like wasteful but also like my home is my set it's a part of my fucking brand and brand aside even if i wasn't a creator it's a part of who i am as a person i do like a certain aesthetic and i i'm very much so influenced by my environment that I'm in like the fact that my apartment is so fucking empty right now is kind of making me feel crazy a pain point it's it's definitely like I don't feel like as at home quote in air quotes like you know what I mean like it's like when like when 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 they talk about children in school like you know you never know their situation at home if they're going through a bad family thing they can't learn and it's like well if I'm not happy in my apartment I can't make content that pays the fucking bills exactly and Which kind of brings me to, me and my fucking smooth transitions, it brings me to just, like, the topic of, like, creators and the backlash that they get from people. Like, uh, I just see so many videos where people are just shitting on creators so fucking hard and making it seem like, what the fuck do they even do? And, like, why they're just, like, you know, giving into capitalism and they're just encouraging consumerism. It's like, first of all, like, what, name one job where there is no underlying capitalism consumerism yeah like where where the fuck like tell me a job name an occupation and it's like there are none well i push back on you right now and i say that there there are a lot of shitty influencers there are a lot of shitty but more than like public school teachers yeah because to want this job i think there's two different types of people there's people who want fame and want money i don't want fame i want to be financially stable i've always like my parents instill that in me from a young age you have to be able to take care of yourself and so when you when you put your influencers and you put your public figures into the fame and money people, the fame people are a lot more problematic. Yeah. They they make videos for clicks. They yes. make videos for reactions. Yes. The money people make strategic moves. Right. And so for me, I like get the criticism, but it's also like get your fucking head out of my ass and go after the right people. Right. You know, like like there's the whole argument of like consuming fast fashion when 99% of brands that are out there right now are contributing to fast fashion yeah. just in different packaging and yeah. in better marketing. Yeah. And so it's like if you want to – like why, why not be an edu- educated consumer, not an educated critique? Exactly. And also I think there is something to be said and I was thinking about this a lot last night. It's like being in the position of you know you're an influencer, you do have the option – to choose what brands you are yes. aligning with. And for me, the brands that I'm always more inclined to work with are either female owned brands or, uh, you know, black owned brands, 
Brands that I want to get more attention from my audience specifically, brands that are more sustainable, brands that, you know, are giving percentages of their, you know, money to charities. Like you, there are influencers out out there other than me, other than you who do fucking care about that shit. And it's like to discount their hard work and effort and creativity that goes into it and also rejecting so many offers to work with brands that are offering you a fuck ton of money because you know deep down inside this isn't a brand that you want to support. Oh my gosh, top of my Instagram DM request is from Sheen. <laughs> the top, the, the, they have like 23.9 million followers. So when you go to your top Instagram request, yeah. it like, it like it's always or there. Yeah. Sheen's at the top, Amazon's at the second, third is Forever 21, yeah. fourth, I could show you like, but but it doesn't matter. There's still like, you still work with like relatively fast, some fast fashion yeah. brands. And I'm like, it's concessions to be made. Right. So like there is no moral consumption under capitalism. There is no like morally like, totally I feel like right that's way. your new merch. Just there. No, literally fuck <laughs> merch because that's the most sellout thing ever. But like people just need to understand that, that it's all like relative and that, like in the same way that like, I'm not sure I'm making the right business moves right now. It's going to be cumulative. Yeah. If I can't work with the brands I want to right now, because they say like, they haven't reached out to me or like the right people. Like it doesn't mean I should stop working. No. It's, it's, it's that I should aspire to work with them and yeah. aspire to get to this point where I don't need to work with the big brands. I can work with small brands that represent groups that I care about. Yeah. And I also think that like something that I've found over the years is that, some of the brands that I really wanted to work with, I actually don't want to work with them anymore because they don't align morally with who I am. So it's yeah. like, you know, five years ago, if that brand had reached out to me, I would have been fucking ecstatic because you're always growing, you're changing, you're learning more. And I'm like, well, now I know X, Y, and Z. And so I don't want to fucking but work with this brand. a digital footprint and yeah. in the same way that like I could put out like, oh, my dream is to be in Vogue. And then I decide like, I don't want to be in Vogue. Yeah. like, but you always wanted that. The yeah. digital footprint is like your biggest downfall because people will weaponize your own words against you, yeah. which is so scary with being a public figure. But in the same way that I encourage my audience to look at me in a cumulative way is what saves or like is my redeeming thing from yeah. that, you know? And also like, People, like, to go back to my original point, like, what do influencers do or creatives do? Like, let me run you down my schedule. Let's go. I work Monday to Sunday. Yeah. I wake up at 10. I go to bed at 12. I average, like, 10 hours of screen time, not consuming, but creating, answering emails. I have about three phone calls a day, one meeting with somebody, usually a day in person. And then on top of that, I make an average 15 to 20 videos a day. Three to five are published. I post eight Instagram stories a day, an Instagram post every other day. I should be posting reels. I should be posting YouTubes, but I haven't been posting as much as I should. I also need to like post on Snapchat. Like I am making like at least a hundred pieces of content a day. Not all hundred get published. But then on top of that, I'm doing my free phone calls a day usually. I'm planning with my team. I'm meeting people like friends that are also usually always in the same work field. And then I'm also trying to make time for me to go to the gym every single day and maybe see my boyfriend. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like seven days a week. Every like. Every influencer that I'm friends with, I don't know any of them who are just fucking ever sitting around like I don't have anything to do. The kids in LA though, I will push back and say there's a lot of kids in LA. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't don't know those fucking In New York, there's this culture of workaholics. Yeah. And I've always worked hard. When I was in college, I had two jobs while in school at all times. And I worked on every single weekend because again, my parents instilled in me financial stability is your freedom. Yeah. So like chasing the bag was like my like hobby. And I also think that, like, 
there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be financially stable. Like what, maybe some people, they're not interested in it, but I find that, you know, I would say a fair, I feel comfortable saying a majority of people want financial stability Especially in their life. as a woman, it's yes. something that's like frowned upon to like prioritize your bag. Listen. Like literally like no man, every man I was with had my whole life up until now has been more successful than me. Mm-hmm. And they always held it over me or it's like, I never got, I went to a tasting menu dinner for the first time on my own dime. I'd never been to a nice restaurant like that paying myself because I couldn't it was all experiences through these guys I was dating and I felt like I owed them something or I should be grateful or like they're they're treating me so well so I should stay with them yeah but in actuality like it's just like I wanted to be able to do that for myself yeah it's a it's super fucking empowering and it's it's a great and I think healthy way to build up your own self-confidence because you're pushing yourself you're seeing what you can produce what you can create how much money you can make whatever it may be and you're doing it on your own based off of like you and your hard work and your shit. It's like, why wouldn't someone want to do that? And why wouldn't someone want to feel good about themselves for creating something for themselves? Because at the end of the day, like you're your own boss. I'm my own boss. And it's like, no, yeah, fuck yeah, that feels good. And I, I know that it's a privilege and I know that I'm lucky to be in this position. And like, obviously, you know, we have these digital communities that help us get to these points. And it's something that I feel like, you know, it's never not something that I think about, which is why it pushes you to keep creating content. Like that's the motivator at the end of the day. Like I don't continue creating content because of any reason other than I know that whatever it is that I'm making is something that someone is going to consume and enjoy and feel inspired by or laugh. Or I want people to feel good about what I'm putting out there as opposed to so much shit that's on the internet that does not make people feel fucking good at all. Well, in the same way, like, okay, let's go back to, like, the fame and clout thing, yeah. where there's people who are after fame and clout. There's people who are good influences and bad influences. <laughs> I, I believe there's no neutral, and I and I consciously try to, to skew towards good. Yeah. I think you can tell who the bad influencers yes. are, and, like, it's genuine, you know, in the same way that, like, I don't know, it's, there's really, there's a lot of bad people on the internet and telling you, like, at, what you should be doing at, like, I constantly talk with reflection and, like, kind of lament, like, who I was when I was younger. Like, yeah. I've made mistakes. I've done dumb shit. Yeah. I've done questionable things. And, again, like, look at people people as, like, cumulative entities. Like, just because I was, say, problematic when – or, like, did problematic shit when I was younger or, like, was an idiot doesn't mean I am now. Like, you're constantly growing and learning. And that's hard for people to accept that you're not the same person you were two years ago, two months ago, two weeks ago, yeah. you know? And you can't expect – any individual to just stop growing like even when you were talking about like moving into a new place it's like sometimes people move into like a bigger place sometimes people have more money like doesn't mean you won't move into a smaller place eventually exactly like you and and that's the other thing about working in the digital space it's like there is so many like gray areas and there are so many things where it's there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of risk involved in it and i think that's also the reason why like it does make me happy to hear you at the age of 22 talking about wanting to be financially stable because I think that a lot of people do just get cut up in the money and they just fucking blow all their money oh to like God. to look a certain way or appear a certain way which like it also gets to the point where it's not even like relatable anymore and you know obviously that's relative too but it's like 
you know, if you just like suddenly like bought a fucking mansion in LA, I would be like, that's kind of fucking weird, Victoria. Like, why did you just, you know what I mean? That's funny because I was considering buying a house. Because it's like the best. A mansion in LA? No, I was considering buying a place here. Like a moderately nice place here as an investment, as an investment property. Exactly. Because I would have talked about it. You know, I would have been like, hey, you know, rent in New York City is this much money. A mortgage is relative. I'm setting my money on fire with the Mm -hmm. rent. Like if I put money into an apartment in a mortgage and flip it in two years, I'm, I'm recouping my initial investment and then some. So at 22, that is so like liberating and empowering to feel like I can invest big dollars and cents and buy a house. My parents bought their first house when they were like fucking 27, 28, 29. Yeah. Like I'm doing at 22. I'm like, that's crazy. But why not? Why not buy a place at 22? But why ex- not explain it? Yes. You know, explain it. And if it's getting funded by a brand, why not explain that? If you don't actually even own the home and you're leasing it, why not explain it? Right. You know, people on on the internet just need context sometimes to conceptualize why you do the things you do. And some people don't want to give you that. They want it to seem like they bought the mansion and that they're not living there because of a brand. They want this image that they're wealthy and really they're living beyond their means. And it's really nice, though, to see, like, that type of transparency where it's like, no, if I were to buy a house, I would talk about it. And I would talk about why it's a good investment because I think that that is also something that is amazing for young people who are watching your share, even people who are older, whatever the fuck their age is, to see that and maybe reconsider the way that they approach their spending or their money and maybe think like, well, maybe I should work towards saving up money to buy a place that's an investment where like I could sell it and make money off of it because that's a whole other topic of just like the conversation around money being so fucking taboo and also how damaging it is specifically to women because women are typically paid less and and it's it's because these conversations were never happening like when nobody, i nobody ever told me to buy a house yeah nobody ever told me what i should spend in rent yeah. nobody ever told me how much i would save two a year ago i no two years ago i had a hundred dollars in my bank account like to now is fucking insane yeah like nobody i never was taught financial literacy it was yeah. all taught to myself and but like I don't know. I feel like a lot of like my guy friends that are my age know that they should be like getting a steady income and yep. saving now for that house and that and they, and and they they know a lot more than I do. And I'm like, why was I at that disadvantage? And it was because it was never prioritized for me as a young girl to like think about those things. It was always I was going to get married one day and somebody else was going to take care of it. And it's like, no, that's not going to happen. And those are like the societal pressures that are damaging to men and to women yes. alike or any gender. It's just. It's very damaging when these expectations are only placed on one gender versus the other. Because, yeah, like, no one was fucking telling me as a little girl, like, you're going to grow up one day and make so much money and, and you're going to buy a house and you're going to support yourself. Like, yeah, no, that's, nobody wants that, that though. Nobody wants that. And that's shit. But nobody wants it. I kicked my water over. But, like, yeah, nobody, nobody wants it. And but why also, not want it? It's so liberating. Like, if it was a normalized thing, like, I don't know. It should be, like... I don't know. It's interesting. And that pressure of like being a woman and and people like, I mean, I'm 32. I can't tell you how many people when they're trying to make fucking small talk with me, it'll just come up like, so are you dating anyone? Are are you seeing anyone? Like, are you, what do you, how do you feel about getting married? It's like, why the fuck is this what you care about? Like we could talk about all of this other shit that I'm doing. That's way more interesting. And you would rather just talk about fucking this. And it just, we all have this internalized fucking misogyny that we're projecting onto ourselves and onto other people of like, this is how you should be. And this is what you should do, which is why like, I fucking love 
posting about like, yeah, no, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. I'm chilling. Like I love spending time alone. I love being able to have like freedom to do whatever the fuck I want and also spend as much time working as I want without but that, having. But that also doesn't mean you're opposed to getting married. No, exactly. But people that's automatically the other thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Literally that people yeah. will be like, oh, well she just never wants. It's like, no washed up fucking prude it's like like, no i just really value myself and want to make sure that you don't even need to have to value you you don't even have to value yourself to wait or like wait for the right person or whatever like you just can be vibe like i don't understand why the why the default can't be single the default should be you should be in a relationship or the default can't be that like you're not even looking like yeah like or like i don't know like People, when we talk about even sexuality, like there's yeah. a spectrum of sexuality. Why can't the default just be like nothing? Like no sexuality yes. and then you choose. Why is the default straight? Like all these things. Why is there like two default genders? Like mm-hmm. the fact that we like put people in boxes is what's going to work against us. And it's like, just because I don't want to be married doesn't mean I'm like this empowered girl boss. It, I, but <laughs> never, I, never you know, girl bosses. Never yeah, girl yeah, but, like, bosses. You, you can be a girl boss and not want to get married and be empowered in that way and like stand opposed to it. Or you can just be neutral to it. Yeah. You can exist in like different areas. And But people assume you're automatically on this other side of the spectrum that you're like this radical feminist who fucking hates men just because you're not married at a right. certain age. I mean, I do occasionally talk about my hatred towards men, but it's not, you know... It's not for nothing. Yeah. I mean, men do be doing some weird fucking shit that it's like, how are you not going to hate them? Just a little bit. Oh, just yeah. a tiny bit. I mean, just think about Texas. It's like, no, I yeah, feel a yeah. sense of genuine fucking hatred. But I do think being put in boxes is something that everyone experiences in different ways. I know that the reason why I haven't signed with management is because, you know, I take these meetings and then I can just immediately clock it. It's like, they've put me in a box. They yeah. put me in this little Muslim girl box and that's what they want to put me in. And they're like, you're just a sweet, quiet, modest little. And I'm like, I'm literally none of those things that you just fucking said. And like, you haven't even taken the time to like realize that, or maybe you have seen that and yet you're rejecting it because you think that it's a prettier package to put me in that fucking box. And you think it's more marketable towards whatever demographic you want me to sell to. But what do you find yourself being placed in a box a lot or is that something that you really haven't experienced too much of um not really because i think with my content landscape i'm constantly hitting like so many different verticals like i think that there's so much pressure as a young woman to be a renaissance woman yeah which like renaissance man was a guy who could do everything he could write fucking literature and also paint and like also like be a fucking boy boss or whatever (laughs) you know so like in the same way that we see with like female artists they're like pushed like taylor swift and ariana grande are pushed to rebrand and do different images and shit when ed sheeran's produced the same shit his whole fucking career which no No one's questioned it it's good it's good music whatever but like women are constantly pushed to change and and evolve and be different or like whatever like you can be put in a box but like you can't stay in there forever like if if you want to be like lucrative and profitable for a lot of people and so for me there's so much pressure to like constantly be different and they never know what I'm wearing next or what the fuck's gonna come out of my mouth and it's like well you actually just don't know me right and like people like there's this parasocial relationship where people think they know me yeah and they have this feeling of me and they know I'm a real person but they truly don't they don't know what's gonna come out of my mouth next they don't know where I'm gonna move they don't know what I'm gonna wear and it's like it's very liberating. You become so you put yourself in the box when you play into what they want from yeah. you, which is like I don't know, like regularly producing fit posts or like regularly posting stories. Like you fall in this shit where you have to keep producing that, mm-hmm. and you yourself create the person you live in. Yeah, and I think that it's just one of those things that like you. 
if you have a good sense of self, that shit won't bother you. That's why I think it's so important for specifically young girls to invest in themselves. And I talk about this a lot, whether it be investing yourself through like focusing on like having financial stability or, you know, figuring out what your career path is, just finding ways to invest in yourself for yourself by yourself without any external factors playing into that so that you can be resilient in a way where this shit will just go right over your head and you won't yeah. be affected by it. I think that that gets back to my initial point of you know what you're not. Yeah. It's never about like people are like, I'm Victoria. Like yeah. I run and I used to work at a finance startup and I went to the new school. It's not that. It's I'm Victoria. I stopped working in finance. Yeah. I'm Victoria. I graduated school. I'm Victoria. I don't live in North Carolina anymore. Like I'm defined by what I am not anymore. Yeah. And so like again, it's that passing on like 99, 95% of deals. It's what you're not. Yeah. And so if you have this like intimate hold and like you know who you are at your core, you know what you're not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what outfit you have on or where you live yeah. or whatever. Like, it's just what you're not. It's like when you're put in this situation where it's like, it's like the shopping cart situation. Like you're in the middle of the, the grocery parking lot. Do you put your shopping cart back or not? Yeah. You know what the fuck you're going to do. Yeah. And you know who you are. I will always doesn't, put the cart back. I yeah. will always fuck the people. But it doesn't matter what back. you're wearing. No. It doesn't matter. No. Like, it doesn't matter where you're living. It's your, are you putting back the fucking cart or not? And it's. Just, I'm not putting back the fucking car. Victoria, put back the fucking car. Bro, fuck it. Honestly, why does it have to go in one place? Like, why have we normalized this fucking, like, I hate Because me. it'll hit a car, Victoria. No, hit a car. no. Literally, bro. Like, See? also, why Why do we not all have reusable bags that we're using instead of these communal carts that are spreading germs? Like, That's also true, dude. I... COVID has really, I mean, yeah. I've always It been makes you question a lot everything. of things that we do and why Ugh. that's normal and, like, why there's so much communal touch and like 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 we are so interconnected as a world now yeah. that a, they, a plague has spread literally Before, a we plague. were nomadic populations that would get wiped out and it wouldn't affect the other one mm-hmm. but now that somebody can fly from the other side of the world to here and bring something here we're so interconnected and so dependent on each other yeah yeah and i do feel like in New York, there is so much so, like, this sense of fucking community where, yes. like, the way people wear their masks here, like, makes my fucking heart sore because yeah. Florida, it's just, like, is there even a pandemic? We Who can say for fucking yeah. sure? But in New York, it's, like, and you can tell that so many people aren't even doing it for themselves. They're truly doing it for the people around them. For their them. neighbor. And it's, you. like, it's so fucking heartwarming and it's definitely, like, my little cynical heart, like, warms the fuck up because I'm just, New like... New York strong, baby. Yeah, and it's... And you do feel that sense of community and that's, I think, what I love the most about... Besides being, being a... Space. Besides being privileged to being a gentrifier, you love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll never stop gentrifying and you can't fucking stop. Girl, boss, keep gentrifying. It's so funny. I talked about that on my Patreon and this girl sent me a bunch of articles about how Park Slope, specifically, where I live, was actually a very predominantly Arab community for a very long time. And like, you walk down the street, there's fucking Arabs everywhere. There's an Islamic school down the street. There's a mosque down the street. There's like fucking five grocery stores that have like Arabic names. Like, what the... You're trying to find your own shit. People (laughs) are picking the wrong fucking battles and the wrong people. And like you said, there's good influencers and bad influencers. And it does... It doesn't piss me off in the way where I'm thinking about it for days, but it's just kind of like this momentary like this person doesn't deserve this. This person doesn't deserve this shit. There are so, I can give you a list. There is a list of people who do deserve this shit because they are truly pushing products that they don't believe in, pushing products that don't fucking work, pushing products that they don't care about, pushing products 
just for the sake of fucking getting the bag. And that's it. And it's like... Well, it's like kind of like... That's kind of what's like the inherent flaw about capitalism is that it pushes people to like do things for money. And it's like, oh, yeah, I want to chase the bag, but like... There is no moral consumption under capitalism. Yeah. Like that, these kids. Like I even feel bad for these kids because it's the only way they know how to make money. Yeah. Like they don't even know that saying no to this means that another offer may come through better. Like a lot of people don't have the tools or like the business savvy to know that like this is not their last rent check that's going to come through. Yeah. Like there will be other things, and yeah. it's a privilege. It is a fucking privilege yeah. to have the knowledge and the situation to say no. Absolutely no, one thousand percent. I mean, when I first started, like doing this, I was very much so taking jobs. Not that I didn't like the product, but I was really more so like, I maybe need this money right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but just it's because such I work a luxury. with bigger brands yeah. right now doesn't mean I eventually won't solely work with like small, sure. small brands. Because right now, like I'm at this point where like I can't work with just small brands that do what I believe in yeah. because I have to fucking feed myself and pay rent. And I mean, I'm friends with so many designers of indie brands and they'll fucking tell me. And I, I've had so many conversations just this last week with friends just being like, yeah, I, I feel bad that I only can afford to do giftings right now, meaning that they will give an influencer clothing or whatever it may be, and they can't pay them for it. But they're just like, I simply don't have the budget to do that right now. And it's like this but very also, they mutual feel bad because yeah. they see how much profit you bring them. If I get seated one yeah. unit, I can sell 5,000 yeah. units at like a cost of like, say, $200 yeah. to them, or like it co- they get, they make $200, it costs them $5. They see the power that influencers have. That's why they feel bad because yeah. we really do have value. It's just that the general audience and like the general consumer doesn't know how many units we actually move. I know. And there's people with real influence and people who don't have influence. I know for a fact that if I put my full weight behind something, I sell it out every fucking time. And so I'm worth good money. Yeah. People can have a large audience and there's no return on investment. Like brands will pay them a fuck ton of money because they have this huge audience and then that shit doesn't even sell. There's true influence and then there's fake influence. For sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and it's just, also, like an influencer is a real thing in, it, in in its entirety. It's that friend you text for dinner racks. It's that yeah. friend who has the best yes. wine. And it's like, if you don't like hold influence and you never have, like I remember I was always the friend that people went to for advice or stole from my closet or like, yeah. or like Victoria, you've been there. What do I do? Like I've always been that person. And it's like, it doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody, but no. there's people who have influence and people who don't. And it's like, I know that like I approach life in a very weird and unique way and like I've been able to monetize off that and I'm super grateful but yeah. an influencer is a real person like yeah and it's, it's a real a- job also oh, like yeah. I'm so sick and tired of like this girl said she's an influencer like what the fuck even is that like you know exactly what the fuck that is yeah. actually because you're on social media but like it's just this continuous wanting to like downplay again like a female led fucking industry yes. and it's like what are you really mad at here are you mad at this person because they have a job that you feel like you don't have or do you or feel is like cooler. or is cooler than your job because and I'll continuously say this I'm super lucky to have such a fucking cool job that I enjoy doing but also it's not for everyone it's really not for everyone. It's like you said, I think that's a really big shared experience amongst the influencers that I surround myself with, which is that we were all the ones growing up who people were like, what music are you listening to? What clothes are you wearing? Where should I go to dinner? What should, how should I do my this nails? Never something I like, I always mm-hmm. growing up, everybody told me you should vlog. It yeah. was not surprising to, to anybody yeah. in my yeah. life for a long time. It was just, does Victoria, will Victoria fucking apply herself yeah. and do it for once? It's like, you know, wine sommelier, they like show what, it, like they show you like the wine that goes with your dinner. They're influencing 
influencing yeah. your fucking dinner. They're yeah. influencing what you're drinking. Yeah. And you trust them because they have good fucking recs. Yeah. And, and I mean, I can't even tell you how many friends of mine will literally be like, Noor, create a full skincare routine for me. And then they'll just go buy like that full skincare routine because they know that like I've tried a lot of shit. I know what I like. I know my shit. Because that's the thing. Like you can... You can be an influencer who only talks about things that you, I guess, are like an expert in, or you could be the influencer who talks about shit that you know nothing about. And I do think that that is also something that I find to be a distinguishing factor yeah. between good influencers sure. and bad influencers, which is that a good influencer will speak about things that they know about versus just talking about shit just to just to dip their toe into it. And that's not to say that you but can't there's, learn there's, about there's it. There's a lot of pressure online to talk about things that may not concern you or you right. may not know about. And right. it's like a good influencer knows like not to crack under pressure and that like, this is not going to be the demise of their career if they don't speak on it. And yeah. like, it may like run the news cycle for a week right. or a month or whatever. Yeah. But like you can, if you know in your heart, like what you know about and what you don't, then you'll be fine. And I just think that like, there is this expectation that's placed on, like I said, every public figure and I think that with creators like you, you're slowly like dismantling it because you're very unfazed by it, which I think is super important for everyone who's in this space to do, not just for themselves, but for like the longevity of their brand. Because as soon as you start just doing shit to cater to what people expect of you, you're completely losing yourself because now you're just doing what people want you to do versus doing what you want to do, which is fucking ties into, like you said, know what you don't like and yeah. know who you are. And even regardless of what your occupation is or what you're, where you're at in life, like those are tools that will get you to where you need to be regardless. You're building up your toolbox. Yeah. No, a thousand percent. And I mean, I did want to just quickly talk a little bit about something that like, I feel like I observed, which is because I'm friends mainly with people like I don't, I think you're the only person I'm friends with who's like, you know, on TikTok and like, that's like your main thing. I mean, you do other things, but that's primarily your audience. There is this fucking weird, like butthurt fucking, oh, TikTokers are everywhere shit. And it's like, <laughs> did you see the New York Post article? It was like these fashion nobodies infiltrated front row. I did see that, but I'll be honest with you. The first thing that I thought when I saw that was like every single one of them is white. This is fucking stupid. Like, yeah. like, can we hate? Can we be diverse in our hate? Can we shit on people equally? Can there be? Equality? I didn't read the article. I, just I didn't saw read the, it. I saw the title and yeah, I was yeah. like uninteresting to me. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like it, it fixates you at a disadvantage to be opposed to like the revolution. But that's not the faces. I mean, everybody in that article is amazing in their own right. But yeah, the faces yeah. of revolution are the people that you're not seeing and not talking about. Yeah. They're fighting the good battle and they're at the front lines and they're protesting fashion maker. They're making their own indie brands and they don't have the funding to do a show you yeah, know yeah that's what the article should be about it's just, i mean shit like that it's just for clicks like you said yeah. like there's people who will put things that article out was for clicks. it's for clicks it, it was also for like purposes of getting reposted and stuff like that for sure and like that's just i feel like garbage shit that like no one needs to consume like there's nothing to be gained from it like it's not going to make anyone actually it might make some people fucking happy but i did feel like there was this like oh the tiktokers are here tiktokers or this it's like why are you mad though like yeah. is this taking away from you and even if it is well, what are you just, actually losing I, I find that like when you elicit a visceral reaction this is what i find so much solace in when you elicit a visceral reaction from people you have a threatening career yeah. and so when all the hate and in all the good feedback it showed me that i have something here that is very threatening to people and that means i'm good at what i do oh yeah i'm not here to make you like feel neutral about me i'm here to make you like me or you hate me like that's whatever and i mean listen i am 
really great at making people hate me just by existing. So, I mean, and but it, the thing is that tickles me. The thing is that that makes me laugh like a little child is that I'm like, you do realize that like your hatred of me is just only giving me views and engagement and like making my audience grow because as much as there are like those negative comments, there's going to be way more positive comments. And all you're doing is making sure my content shows up for those people. Well, no, 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 no. I think like a lot of people like view it that way and find like comfort in that. But I think that it's like, if anything, I view it in the way that like the people who love me will see that and like defend me. Like yeah. very much, like when you have like passive followers who like, just like, oh, you look so good today, queen, whatever. It's like when you have followers that will mobilize in other people's videos oh, yeah. about you and be like, you're wrong. You don't know her. You saw one video and you took one sentence. Yeah. And my followers feel like they intimately know me, yeah. which is not to discredit that they don't. They know a facet of me. Yeah. That's really important to me. That they will defend me and they will go after those hate comments as they should. Because if we can't, like, fucking uh, moderate the internet, mm-hmm. like, I fully encourage my followers to mobilize and moderate yeah. where they see willing or like where they th- see that they should because they know me better than these people who make the hate videos people who make the hate videos don't watch all my videos don't read all the comments don't see what i do all the time so they go off like uh, they operate from a p- place of disadvantage or not knowing me so it's like we can write the narrative yeah and the hate comments give a good good springboard to really control yeah that. oh like when i'm the, my favorite things is when I do see like my community like jump yes. in and be like yes. shut the fuck up yes. like you know what I mean I know my community knows never to like hurt people or whatever but yeah. control the narrative yeah like- yeah I mean it does sometimes it does get a little out of hand and usually at that point I will just delete all of the, the entire thread because I'm like I don't want this yeah. to even yeah. exist here but like my boyfriend was like, you control an angry mob. He's like, and sometimes they turn on you, and sometimes they turn on other people. Sometimes they're happy, and sometimes they're mad. Like, and it's 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 very much like you can, you can wield your following. And, and it's I, important to have this dialogue, I think, and something that I noticed about you immediately, which I've always believed in, and I never saw too many people do it, which is that you do respond to people. And it's, I think, I think that when someone doesn't respond to comments it is very telling of how they view themselves again it's what you don't do in life that matters like i've always always i'll take the time even if it's three days later even if it's a week later go back to the comment section and respond to fucking every question respond to every person i mean there's some it also keeps you in touch with how you're resonating with people and also like if you're not having a dialogue with your community what the fuck like i just feel like in the specific social media space like it's social there should be some it's also like texting a friend like, yeah. yeah like your friends see all your instagram pictures but when you don't text them they feel like they haven't spoken to you like no and it's it's also like a lot of people have like not like nameless but like personality online presences or it's just like their outfits or it's just their yeah. makeup and it's like we don't know them yeah. therefore we can't defend them or know what kind of person they are and it's like when you let people know you is when they feel like very intimately connected to you and I think that, like, it's something that I find myself speaking to a lot of other creators about because they're like, you're so comfortable showing your personality. You're so comfortable doing this. Like, how do you do it? It's like, I just being myself. It's and innate. also, it's very, it's, it's also like comes to me very naturally. Like, I'm a little bit of a performer. Like, I like to do little bits and shit like that. So, like, it comes to me really naturally, but that's not to say that you couldn't gain that skill and get good at it. 
you just have to put yourself out there well, and like allow yourself to be vulnerable. In this podcast example, okay, yeah. like this conversation comes naturally, but learning how to set up all this equipment and set up a right studio doesn't. That was a learned thing yeah. that you had to go through and yeah. probably test out and learn about. Yeah. And that's your back end that people yeah. don't see. This seems so easy. So mm-hmm. like, why can't they do it? But like, they don't understand you had to like, you know, figure out how to put this out there and how to market it and yeah. stuff like that. And so that's why people get frustrated when your shit does well and theirs doesn't because you make it look so easy. But really you put in the footwork behind the scenes to make it actually. And I think that that's like I, I experienced a lot of that in that TikTok about moving to New York where everyone was like, wow, it's just that easy, huh? And it's like, no, no it was actually really hard. And the impetus for my move was based off of something really traumatic. And like, but also like, why do I have to put all of that out there. I don't have to. I actually get to decide what I want to put out there, what I don't, what's going to be on my Patreon, what's going to be on my podcast, what's going to be on Instagram, TikTok. I very thoughtfully strategize what content goes where. And there is a reason behind it. And it's because my, like, I'm sure, you know, your audience on Instagram is sometimes really not the same as your audience on TikTok. And and people follow you in different places because they're looking for something different. Like my podcast audience, they know that they're my fucking favorite because they are just the realest. Like they're always reposting when the new episode comes out, they're DMing me, telling, sending me long messages, which I always read them. And I respond to them telling me, I listened to this and inspired me. And it's like, very much so like my favorite online community is my fucking podcast. And so they, that's why they get to know the more personal shit about me. It's because I feel safer with them. I feel more comfortable being more open with them. And you'll go on my Instagram, you look at my feed, it's a bunch of pictures of me fucking not smiling, but then you want to click on my stories and I'm probably being a fucking rat. So like, it's different shit for different audiences. Some people only want outfit inspiration. Cool. Awesome. There is a place for that. Some people want to hear my opinions. Cool. There's a place for that. And I think that you can bring them all together and that is possible. But I think for like, I only think you can bring them together when you're, when you become a massive personality, like say Emma Chamberlain and you become an idea. People are in love with the idea of you, Mm -hmm. not actually you. Like they will truly never intimately know you, but they, they like you up until this point to like your outfit, even if they don't like it, they like it, they like it on you because they like you. You're the driving thing. And I think I, something that I feel like I see in your comment section, I seen a lot of people's comment section, like I could never pull this off or like you pull this off so well. It's like pulling things off is less about what, the external is and more about just like how you feel how you carry yourself yeah. the confidence and it's like dude i literally make a bit out of how i hate all the outfits i wore like last week but in that week i loved them yeah you know you can reflect and say that something you didn't really pull that off or wasn't great but you can also enjoy yourself in the outfit and be testing new things and there's like, and that's the thing there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with wearing an outfit that like later no, you're no. like oh i don't like that because you know what maybe five years from now you're like I actually do like that. Or if I had just styled it differently, like it's okay to reflect. It's okay to like, also like if you're perfect, there's no room for improvement. Like being imperfect is beautiful. And like making mistakes is beautiful because you can learn from that and grow. And it's like, if you're constantly operating like that, you, you know, nothing, you're a student of life. Like I am constantly operating on the assumption that I'm just trying this out and I don't know what's happening and I don't know the answers. And so I'm just here to learn and improve and grow. And I think that that's what you're doing. And like, just based off of like getting to know you over the last few weeks, I'm like, this is someone who I know will be successful, not because of your audience size, not because of any of that, just because your approach to this entire space is so different than I find even people who are much older than you. And it makes me like very fucking excited. No pressure, but very excited just to see like what 
you will evolve into and what you'll grow into and how your style will change. Cause I, I see your style changing and I see, yeah. I see you experimenting with different things and I see you do. And it's exciting. Cause I'm like, Go that's, girl. That's, I mean, listen, we're just two boss babes right now. Yeah. We're just two girl what bosses. I'm scared of this to see, you know, that there's these like 13, 14 year olds who are like really shaped by Emma Chamberlain or yeah. were shaped by like, um, I don't know, like these huge YouTubers or yeah. like my boyfriend was super shaped, shaped by Casey Neistat. And it's yeah. so interesting because I never watched any of those people. I never was like a fangirl, but he really was affected by him and his work. And I'm petrified to see the bitches grow up that are more affected by me. They're going to be fucking killer. Like they're going to be scary. They're going to shake shit up. And that's something that I always think about when it's like, do you want to be a good influence or do you want to be a bad influence? I don't want a bunch of fucking 15 year olds running around and doing bad shit because of me. Right. And and I think just having that self-awareness is so fucking crucial, which is why, so why honestly, I mean, if you don't love Victoria, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Fuck you. If you don't like me and Victoria, point, you can go fuck after, yourself. After we've spoken for an hour yeah. and a half, if you don't like me, that's what I'm saying. I feel like I have this skill set where you can either be neutral to yeah. me or I can make you like me. Yeah. And it's like, if you made it this far in the podcast, you have to either be neutral or like me. There's no reason to hate me. You have to not. be ready to propose marriage to yeah, Victoria. literally. Like, I'm such a catch. I mean, honestly, she kind of is. She Her outfit's really fucking cute today. Thank but- you. I just post it on instagram you guys go like it when you watch or listen yeah to when you later. listen to this it's coming out in a few days so when you listen to this you can go she's wearing the rolled jeans we did take those photos together yes, there. we we, we were a little cre- we had a little creative fucking hot girl moment on the sidewalk we but little influencer moments um i'm we think we should wrap so where can people follow you online plug anything you want to or you can not follow me anywhere you want at victoria paris victoria and paris like the city Paris like the city. Um, and as always, guys, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you will see a lovely photo of Victoria. All of her socials are going to be linked in the episode description. You can subscribe to my fucking Patreon if you want to hear about, like, you know, me crying slash screaming slash laughing. And you can follow me on Instagram at Nora E, where I'm just being as vain as always. And don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen. Don't be a fucking asshole. And I'll talk to you guys next Sunday. Love you. Bye. Bye.